If the GOP and DNC have been breaking your heart, well, stay tuned because you might just be voting gold this 2024 election cycle. Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely Eastern Indiana, and today we are continuing the theme of talking presidential politics. On our last episode, we had GOP presidential candidate Ryan Binkley on the program, one of, I think, 13 or so currently announced uh, GOP candidates. Today's uh, candidate is not running for GOP. He's not running for the Democrats either. He is running for the Libertarian Party, and he returns to the show. One, Mike Dermott. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. It's a great pleasure to be with you, and I haven't been indicted yet, so things are looking up. <laughs> Not uh, yet. We still got time, Mike. Thing for all of the thirteen GOP candidates. <laughs> Give it some time, there, Mike. We we we're still fresh in the election here. It's only twenty twenty three. We got a whole another year to go, but let's not put that on the to do list. And it's okay? only five o'clock uh, my time. There's still plenty of time left in the day. Uh, I love Eastern Indiana. I love your program. You are a libertarian marketing beast, and I'm just tickled to death to be in your show, M- uh, Mike. I appreciate the kind words, and truly looking forward to today's conversation because, uh, yeah, you are one of. I think the only or maybe a few LP candidates who have officially announced the candidacy. Now, now let's, you know, elephant in the room, elephant, libertarian porcupine in the room. You have run for president in the past, and this has been a recurring campaign now where I think you're getting the ball rolling. rolling. Folks are recognizing your name. They're starting to recognize your platform, the Gold New Deal, which you have uh, the website, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But do us a favor for the folks who maybe are not familiar with Mike Termott, the Mike Termott campaign. Do us a favor and go through a little bit of uh, who you are, why you're running for office, and why should folks vote for a libertarian? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I think uh, the more important uh, piece of that is why I'm running and why you should vote libertarian. If it's all about me, my bio is going to be the worst two minutes of your audience's day. So I'll pick up the pace going through that part. I am a a former economist. I worked for the White House for a couple of years. I taught economics at three different universities. I was a free market and advocate in the financial services industry in Washington, D.C. for many years. And I was an entrepreneur in the education space for quite a few years as well. Before becoming a police officer in my second career, Around the time that I became a registered libertarian, I became a police officer in South Broward County, Florida. So I spend, as you might imagine, enormous amount of time talking about criminal justice reform and reforming the way that we manage police officers, specifically finding ways to bring market forces to bear on the business, the industry of policing. Uh, I retired from police work about a year and a half ago and ran for Congress. Uh, the last time I was on your show, I was running for Congress in uh, District 20 in Florida. That's right. Not president. Was... My apologies. I, I put you on a perpetual presidential campaign. I, I, my sincerest <laughs> apologies. Well, it's all the same stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have a different FEC analyst, but it's uh, it's all the same uh, ball of wax. You are right in your introduction. You said if you're uh, disillusioned with the Republican or Democratic Party, you should consider voting Libertarian. I think you have put your, I love the way you articulated that because I believe the two things that are very important about this cycle are really true. 
One of the reasons we have such a big opportunity to play an important role in the American political landscape as libertarians next year is because the parties, the other parties, the, the other big two of the big three parties, Democrats and libertarians have disappointed their constituents. When I was growing up, it was true that Republicans at least tried to be fiscally conservative. And you could also, in those days, occasionally bump into a Democrat who would have an anti-war message. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that those parties have left you behind if you still believed in those values. If you're against military interventionism, you no longer have a home in the Democratic Party. And if you are truly a believer in fiscal conservatism, you no longer have a home in the Republican Party. And so I believe that we have an opportunity, not only because those parties have crappy leadership, but because they no longer adhere to the values that they once espoused. And I believe that they have contributed each in their own way to a growing sense of authoritarianism in the United States. Remember where authoritarianism comes from in a democracy. It comes from the idea that some politician says, I need more power because what you really have to fear is not your loss of civil liberties. What you really have to fear is that other idiot coming to power. And if, if you put your faith in my hands and your civil liberties in my hands, by the way, and stop worrying so much about your constitution, I can, I can keep you safe from what you, what you really need to fear. And I think that there is a growing sense of that in the United States as the two parties do nothing but fight against each other. I, th I think that it would be hard to argue that either party has a higher priority than keeping the other side out of power. They really don't have a political agenda in the same way that they used to. Mm. So the campaign that we're running is the, the kind of campaign that I believe is necessary to take advantage of that opportunity, which is to say very much policy forward, very much uh, libertarian bread and butter and based on libertarian principles to which we have committed wholeheartedly. Uh, as, as you and I were recently discussing, we have committed to our platform of policy that we call the Gold New Deal, which your constituents uh, can, can read about at goldnewdeal.org. We are so committed to it that we not only have branded it, but have given it its own URL. We want all libertarians and all Americans to know that we're not backing down from this platform. This is not something that we just give lip service to and then plan on changing uh, once we're on the other side of the nomination. We are deeply committed to this, and not just as an ethical matter, but also as a strategic matter. We believe that the right strategy for playing a big role in the next presidential cycle is to commit to the edgiest platform possible to cleave a hard edge against Democrats and a hard edge against Republicans to differentiate us, to identify ourselves in our own context, not in the context of other parties. Mm -hmm. Well, let me let me kind of piggyback on the the premise of your campaign, which I, I, I truly and sincerely love, but I also have to address I guess, historical reality, and that is we as the greater LP, the Libertarian Party, have never broken past, what, 5% electorally when we're talking about presidential elections. So, Mike, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. Although we have gotten to double digits in the in the transient polls, just never greater than that uh, 
at the at the end game when it came Tuesday voting time. Absolutely fair. But I guess to my 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 main question, it is what do you view the role of the LP presidential candidate? Is it to actually win the election or is it to help inspire a new generation of libertarian voters, of libertarian thinkers and activists or something else that I didn't identify? Uh, it is a little bit of both of those as well as demonstrating that our philosophy can get the attention of Americans to tease out of what I believe is a libertarian streak in most Americans and to move the other parties in our direction. So it's all of that and more. But I also want to make sure that we don't accidentally start to think that there is a stark dichotomy between what it takes to do well electorally and what it takes to do well in terms of pushing our message. I don't believe that those two things are as different as some people would suggest. I believe that to do well electorally, the right strategy is to push our message completely in a principled fashion, as loud, as fast, by the way, in terms of the cycle, as early as possible, and as clearly differentiated from the other parties as possible. So, uh, for example, it's important for us to deliver a complete uh, adverse reaction to military intervention. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to push that message that the other parties are not going to push. It differentiates us. We have to not back down from that. Similarly, we need to push a fiscal conservatism message. We need to be the party that, for example, talks about the fact that Social Security is evil. You're not going to hear that from a Republican or a Democrat. That's an important message to get out there. But I also believe the right strategy is to let people know that that's how we feel. I think that most people would recognize, look, we're not going to go to some 64-year-old and say, we're going to change your Social Security that you've been paying into and all of a sudden pull the rug out from under you. That's not what this is about. But it's important to tell people, look, your grandchildren who are going to be entering this system soon, right? It is unethical to force them into a system that promises them at best a crappy rate of return possibly a negative rate, con conceivably no return at all, mm. but uh, at best a crappy rate of return when they could be out on their own making decisions for themselves, doing better for themselves, right? And ultimately living by the standards that they set for themselves. The, the federal government has no ethical role, no logical role in this business. And for us to keep pretending like social security is a good idea I, I just find that completely unethical. I'm not afraid of using the word evil. I don't believe that politicians are necessarily trying to do the wrong thing. They're not, you know, it's not an act of evil to, to mistakenly do something dumb in the effort of trying to do right by people. But this is a dumb program that has an evil effect on our economy and our people. That's just one little example, mm -hmm. maybe not a little example, but one example where we need to be out there saying the truth because no one else is. And it's the right strategy and uh, it is the right thing to do in terms of pushing our message. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I guess speaking more towards speaking the message, I 
in the sales and marketing world, we always talk about focusing on finding your ICP, your ideal customer persona. And with that, it's a part of your target market. And I think for far too often, libertarians have been trying to earn the votes of both Republican voters and Democratic voters, which while those are the ones who do in fact vote, Mike, there is 50% plus of Americans who either A, just are independent in nature or be completely non-affiliated and have not taken part in the presidential voting system for the, I think, sheer fact that they just feel their vote doesn't matter. So there's a huge There's market. an enormous number of people. Huge. And I think that we need to convince people that if you're voting just because it's in some sense, some strategic thing, right? You're voting for a Democrat because you're mad at the Republicans and vice versa. You're wasting your vote. As a strategic matter, you're not helping yourself in the long run unless you vote for your ethics. If you vote for your principles, if you vote for the party that best aligns with the way you feel about things, in the long run, that's the right strategy. So my message to these folks is stop wasting your vote. Stop wasting your time. If, if it's worth it to you to go to the polls, vote for someone who aligns with your values. And by the way, you need to play a role. Those of you who are so frustrated with your system, with our system, with the governmental system, with the politics in America, those of you who are so frustrated that you don't want to take the time to vote, I get it. I've missed elections, right? I mean, who, has, who hasn't become frustrated? If you're not frustrated with our system, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> If you're so frustrated that you don't want to vote, listen to me. I share your frustration. Indeed, much of the reason that libertarians participate in this, and certainly the reason I do, is because I don't like the way that things are going either. Our values align with yours. This is your opportunity to send a message and to participate in the system in a way that aligns with your values. So for both an ethical reason and a strategic reason, this is your opportunity to participate. But don't waste your vote. Who do, who do you think represents best the ethos of libertarian values when we're looking at the electorate right now? Do, do you find that the voters who maybe are more culturally, or not, well, obviously culturally libertarian, but more culturally conservative, culturally progressive, economically conservative, economically progressive, where do you find that our messaging would, would resonate most with those voters who maybe they haven't picked a team, but they themselves, they, they, they have these values that they believe in. Yeah. And, and let's also address, you know, to the point that I think a lot of folks out there, we, we want to believe are libertarian, but I don't know if that's the case truly after what we saw with 2020 with the COVID lockdowns. A lot of people are willing to, whether we like it or not, just do what they're told. And that's a little frightening. Now that's do what you're told by both the left and the right for that matter. So I guess what right. I'm trying to say is who should we be speaking to and what type of language do you think we should be using to bring those potential voters our way? Uh, I agree with you hundred percent about all of that, which is not necessarily a good thing. Um, it seems to me, uh, Brian, that while most people share in the United States a libertarian streak in the sense that they want to make decisions for themselves, I do believe that different people have different areas in which they want to exert that right uh, to, to force upon the world their own way of thinking. So while I believe that the vast majority of Americans have an interest in expressing themselves pursuing their own personal agency, right? Different people 
find that manifesting in different ways. So, for example, on the right hand side, whether that's a Republican or fiscally conservative Democrat, it is worth reminding them that the way that ethic plays out is in terms of intervening in your economy, whether it's Social Security or taxation or reminding people that inflation doesn't just grow on trees. It doesn't just come into existence organically. It is the result of bad public policy. People are more ready to hear that than ever before. On the left-hand side, it is worth reminding people not only of our anti-war message, but yes, reminding them you didn't like the way that the COVID regime played out. In the beginning, it seemed like we were willing, all too willing, to defer to experts in government and trust that they were giving us good advice, Mm -hmm. both in the sense that they knew what they were doing and good advice in the sense that it would help us in in terms of the way that the virus's manifestation played out. Both of those things turned out to be wrong. They didn't have expertise and the advice they gave us didn't help us. Recognize that. A lot of Americans do recognize that now that didn't when we were in the middle of it. And so it's going to play out differently for different individuals. But it's worth reminding people that as Americans, we are interested in living our lives by our own standards. Most Americans, I think, appreciate that at a, at a visceral, sort of in your gut kind of level. And to remind them that that looks like different things to different people. If you're a fiscal conservative, it might look like this, right? You want less regulation of your business, maybe your employer's business, labor markets, how they play out, taxation. These are the things that maybe care that, that you care about that get completely messed up. Think about how much more robust our economy could be without so much intervention, without bad energy policy, how much better our lives would be if we could pursue an all of the above anything goes energy policy to remind people that we have right around the corner a whole bucket load of bad environmental related policy just waiting to come at you that's going to make COVID look small. That is around the corner, my friend. So if you have an inclination in your head that says we need to be careful about government interventionism in business, what you're about to see, you do not want a Democrat or for that matter, a Republican in power. Mm -hmm. If you have any mistrust of government at all, you do not want the Biden administration to be in charge of energy policy, environmental policy, for example. This is something that a lot of people on the right will relate to. And like I said, it's going to be different issues on the left. You know, you do not want uh, a Republican in charge of making rules for how your entire state raises your kids. Mm hmm. For that matter, you probably don't want a Democrat involved with making rules for your entire state about how to raise your kids. You want a libertarian to pass the word that your individual board, your individual schools should be making rules for themselves, that parents should be involved in in, in how your school educates your kid. That we believe in choice for schools and that schools ought to have choices for teachers. Market ideas can drive so many benefits for us 
we need to remind Americans of that and that that is our history. Mm -hmm. That's why we have done so well up until now. And that allowing markets to work is a form of ethical tolerance, cultural tolerance. It's, it's how it gets played out. That's how freedom gets played out in our economy. And that is a good thing. I think it's also important for us to speak truth, right? And regardless of how unpopular it may be, how uncomfortable it may be for us, and and I'm I'm not trying to pick on a another one of your your opponents here in the LP uh, nomination process, but we had Chase Oliver on the show back probably end of last year, beginning I can't remember when it was. It was we were at 740 shows, folks. So uh, for, forgive me, I'm trying to figure out when the specific guest was on. But I'll include this link here in the uh, the show notes. But one of the things that Chase brought up in the program was you know obviously going after Gen Z as an electorate, which I wholeheartedly agree with, but. Instead of bringing libertarian principles and solutions to that generation of voters, kind of morphing the libertarian messaging to reflect what they believe to be true. I firmly believe that's dangerous. Um, and, and you're mentioning right now, I think one of the main areas that we could see the ramifications and the negative consequences of that approach in terms of dealing with environmental issues. You look at the generation, the, the millennials and the Gen Z folks who are out there, they have been conditioned from the onset in the government schooling system to believe hook, line, and sinker, this anthropogenic climate change nonsense. And I've had Dr. Patrick Moore here on the show many a time. He has gone through, you know, case by case of how not only is that not the case, and, you know, as a matter of fact, we're coming out of an ice age right now, which actually speaks to a majority of the reasons we're seeing global actual warming taking place, but also to the fact that the solutions that a lot of these individuals in the Gen Z and millennial voting demographic embrace involve heavy government intervention and not good, not good at all. That's going to lead to not just more problems for us down the road, but also is going to impact the way that we live our lives freely. So I think it is important to differentiate what our solutions look like, but also, again, as my intro alludes to, meet people where they're at on those issues they care about. But that doesn't mean that you just morph your your solution to well, fit their Well, it doesn't their, mean their pandering case. to them. Exactly. Sometimes it's, it's important. And I, I appreciated, uh, you know, you're not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I get that. This is a source of a bit of uh, contention uh, between us. And I, I should hasten to add that I'm generally speaking a Chase fan, by the way. Um, I've enjoyed being on the road uh, and, you know, seeing him at uh, events and, and my family enjoys seeing him. And it's, it's been a, a great time. There is a stark differentiation between us in this regard. I believe that we need to be the party to tell the truth, even when it means saying things that certain people don't necessarily want to hear, even if that means those people that are hearing things they don't want to, is a large number. Mm -hmm. In the long run, it will benefit us in terms of consistency, in terms of passion, in terms of the fact that we actually mean it. And we need to back it up, by the way. Let us not go out there and say stupid stuff uh, just for the sake of uh, shock value. That's not what we're talking about, right? Uh, the, one of the reasons why we're excited about our campaign is not just because we're out there with the most transformational ideas that we've collected into the Gold New Deal, but the fact that we back it up. You know, Having spent a couple of careers in public policy and public service myself, 
I'm deeply committed to making sure that we have solutions on a detailed level and a realistic level and that actually provide value to people's lives. Having said all of that, we are not trying to get 100% of the vote. We're trying to get a third of the vote. I mean, a home run looks like a third, right? A grand slam walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth is a third, not 50%, not 100%. Okay, that implies certain things. That implies a lot of truth-telling because you're only going to get a certain number of people who are open-minded. Uh, as you pointed out earlier, a certain percent of those are going to be people that aren't used to voting, don't, mm-hmm. don't vote very often, certainly don't vote consistently, and who are frustrated with the other parties. Well, why are they going to be frustrated with the other parties? The other parties have not only walked away from their policies, which is what I talked about a minute ago, they've also uh, walked away from the truth all too often. This is important. It turns out, I don't want to go too far off the beaten path here, but let me share a couple of thoughts. Um, It turns out to be true that your government took money from you and from your neighbors, ran it through an offshore entity, and invested it without your knowledge or the knowledge of anybody else for that matter, in a foreign country for the purpose of developing a virus in a laboratory in China. We can all argue about whether that was gain of function research or not. I understand that, you know, Senator Paul sees it one way and uh, Anthony Fauci sees it uh, another way. Never mind all that. Money is fungible. It turns out to be true that a virus was developed in a way that wasn't otherwise found in nature. Escape from the laboratory. Please, let's find out someday with certainty this was a mistake, right? It escapes from the laboratory. It kills a couple million people in the United States. It kills millions of people around the world horrific stuff and your government still believes that you don't deserve an explanation for how that went down that's disturbing Mm -hmm. your government operates in the shadows because it does not operate in your interest that is darned it's a family show this is darned (laughs) disturbing and it should be disturbing to everyone who doesn't trust the government, and it should be disturbing to everyone who ever did trust the government at all, right? And as as someone who grew up in the 60s and 70s, I remember when we had a lot more faith in our institutions than we do now. If you grew up that way, you're more pissed than if you grew up recently in some sense because you feel wrong by someone that for whom you had a little bit of trust, right? 1974, it was hard to believe that Richard Nixon was a crook. Nowadays, that's easy to believe, right? No one would, I mean, it'd be hard to believe if someone told you he weren't. But in 1974, we were all a lot more naive than we are today. That changes things. Americans are more open to the truth of the matter, which is that your government does not operate in your interest. It operates in the interest of itself and the politicians who run it. And for this reason, we need a different style of governance, a different relationship between us and the government that we will tolerate. That's what the old New Deal is all about. 
All right, Mike, I already uh, kept you later than I promised you I would. So I apologize there. But with that being said, let's do this as we go towards our final thoughts for today. I'll kick things off. Um, this and what we're talking about here today speaks to, frankly, and I'm sorry, libertarians, truth hurts. This is where we have failed many elections is because we have not been able to not only address the main issues that people care about, but truly differentiate our solution, our libertarian solution, right? Big L libertarian solution right here from the GOP and the Democratic parties respectively. And frankly, it's on us to do better. We expect and, and wrongfully expect that we are able to bring people to us on our issues because of how right we are. And here's the, the, the dirty, rotten truth, folks. Good ideas are, aren't enough, right? Like you can't good idea people to death and expect they're going to jump on board. You have to find the right people in the right market who are willing to make a change. I'm in the world of sales. We talk about this many a time here in the program about when you're going out trying to find people in the window of opportunity, right? Whether they've gone through a trigger event or they're pissed off with the current solution, it might be a family show, but I'll go ahead and break my own rule. But truly, if they are at a point where they are looking for alternatives, not only is it on us to bring our alternative solution to the table, but to talk about why our solution is better and frankly, why the existing two solutions that they've been voting for time after time is not getting things done. It's not changing things. As a matter of fact, in many cases, it's making things worse. So that's my uh, final thoughts for today's episode. Mike, what do you have for us on your end? <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I feel as though it's more than just an opportunity, Brian. I think uh, listening to you just now, you would agree. This is in some sense an obligation for us. This is a call of duty. If we don't stand up for what it's going to take to fight our way back to the Constitution, if we don't stand up for our individual rights and our civil liberties, if we don't stand up for the kind of relationship that we believe we deserve between us and our government, nobody else is going to do it. You cannot wait for a Democrat. Can you imagine how long you'd have to wait for a Democrat to stand up for your Second Amendment rights, <laughs> for your First Amendment rights, for your Fourth Amendment rights? As I often say, I don't know Democrats who can spell 10th Amendment. If you're waiting for a Republican to hold back on, on, in, in terms of spending, in terms of the war machine, you're going to wait a long time, my friend. This is our call of duty as libertarians. If we don't do it, nobody else will. We are the philosophical descendants of the people that put together this nation and the Constitution and did so for no other damn good reason than to protect our individual liberties. Americans are more ready now than ever to hear our message, and it's our obligation to deliver it as clearly as possible in a way that leaves no doubt that we are not the same as Democrats and Republicans. We are not going to run a campaign that says we're fiscally conservative like Republicans and socially liberal like Democrats. That is not a good strategy. It's not true, by the way. Republicans are not fiscally conservative and Democrats are not socially liberal in any real sense anymore. It's not good strategy. It's not true. It's not ethical. It's not going to happen from this campaign. So I look forward to working with you all. Brian, I look forward to discussing it with you as time goes on. Absolutely, Mike. We will make sure we have you back on as election season heats up. And by the way, I think you just, uh, you, you, you closed the case here because there was a question I saw on social media. 
are Gary Johnson and Mike Tremont the same person? You just absolutely debunked <laughs> that because you're not, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Gary too hard, but you know, Gary was obviously he the one out there. like a nice fella. Oh, he's a nice fella. But I mean, out there saying, you know, we're socially liberal and fiscally conservative. I'm like, no, we're not Gary. We're libertarian. Uh, so yes, no. thank you for, for making that abundantly clear. And uh, folks, <laughs> if you got inspired uh, today by Mike's message, will do me a favor. Number one, go ahead, give today's episode a share. When you do, please tag yours truly. Truly at B Nichols Liberty Twitter and on Facebook. Mike, where can folks go ahead and find you and the Mike Tremont campaign should they want to continue the conversation? Well, uh, they can go to MikeTremont.com because you'd have to spell it right. There's two A's in Tremont. So you can go to MikeTremont.com if you want to. You'll find my real contact information there. If you want to drop me a text, uh, call me on the phone, drop me an email, whatever you feel like doing. Or you can just cut to the chase, skip through all that crap and go straight to goldnewdeal.org read about the platform, what it is that we're committed to. It's the real deal. We need to change the relationship between us and government. I believe that this is where it starts and it starts with us. And this is going to be a big fight, people, but it is our fight to have. We can't leave it to anybody else. Here, here. All right, folks. Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and put a nice uh, bookend to today's episode. So with that being said, please, if you're joining us on the video version of the program, go ahead, give us a like, hit that subscribe button and a little notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live. YouTube, Rumble, but also go ahead, support independent media like Sovereign, S-O-V-R-E-N. That's Ben Swan's independent media entity, and I'm a big fan. And by the way, if you are joining us on Sovereign, well, congratulations. You get to see today's episode before anybody else as a Sovereign exclusive. And if you are joining us on you know, that old uh, video legacy channel called YouTube, which I know thousands of you actually are, uh, well, hey, thank you for joining us. And don't, don't leave the episode yet, because I mentioned uh, the episode I did with Chase Oliver. Again, I think it was the end of last year. Gotta double check, but regardless, that episode is going to pop up right about here. So if you want to hear Chase Oliver's take in terms of why he's running for president, we'll go ahead and check that episode out. But other than that, folks, that's all we have for you today. Please, again, hit that little subscribe button and please share today's episode and tell Mike that you heard him here over on The Brian Nichols Show. But with that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Mike Dermott. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.